Jurassic Park three minutes. We'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And Dave. And today we're back to discuss minute 46 of Jurassic Park three. But before we do that, David, uh, big shout out to one of our listeners, Soul Raptor, on uh, Facebook. He uh, commented during the week or during the last week on uh, one of your newest acquisitions, and um, he says that the podcast makes his day go faster, and that's that's what we're here for. <laughs> Not only to inform, but to help you get through your daily grind. But uh, <laughs> the acquisition um, in question, David, you got a big thing. We've d- discussed it previously, but uh, now it's in hand. Yes, it is. It's the uh, Willis and Geiger Safari hat that has that. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast before, especially to the Lost World Minute, where we kind of drool over Roland Tembo's character, his character wears a lot of Willis Geiger gear. Uh, one of them being his jacket, being the um, Hemingway jacket that Ernest Hemingway, famous American writer and adventurer, uh, designed for his personal use in like African safari. And another one being a uh, belt that Willis and Geiger had. I think that was it for the clothes, but his hat was also by Willis and Geiger, but Sue Moore, the costume designer on The Lost World, kind of customized it a bit with um, swapping out the band. The hat came with two bands, either a kind of like a wrap that wrapped around the bottom of the crown or zebra. It was like a zebra band, which, interestingly enough, mine came with the zebra brand, and that's real zebra. (laughs) <laughs> I, was not expe- I was not expecting that. I thought it would be like, it was just like dyed that way. No, I cut off the band and I'm holding it in my hand. And I'm like, this is real fur. I'm like, that's cool. Kind of <laughs> creepy, but cool. <laughs> but yeah, I switched out the band, uh, added the uh, custom, uh, custom chin strap. And I got to tell you, I wore it, uh, this past Saturday was a dedication to my uh, my favorite walking trail. Got it's um, got promoted from just a uh, county park. There was like a um, something that the county park district took care of to now getting na- uh, nature preserve status, where now it gets state funding and is able to basically get a lot more money for stuff it needs, any kind of uh, updates, and basically scrub it, keeping the graffiti scrubbed off the trees and stuff. <laughs> you know, those, teenage, those teenagers. But um, another thing is they got they also added 80 acres to the park that had previously been private land. And I wore the hat today, and just because it's cold and rainy, and it was perfect. I mean, it... I, my head did not feel the drop, though my uh, camera did get a little bit waterlogged for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I... yeah, that is the uh, big, big thing that I'm excited about this week is finally getting Roland Tembo's hat to basically complete my nearly uh, all original parts Roland costume. I don't have the belt because it's kind of pricey for a belt. And really, who's going to notice that feature anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, just for a brief uh, brief re- revisit to when we are discussing Roland, and I think even Sarah Harding's Lucky Pack was the same brand, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was Sarah Harding's Lucky Pack was also Willis and Geiger. Um, yeah. It was their rucksack, and they and I guess costume just basically roughed it up, dragged it behind a truck or whatever <laughs> they did to it to make it look like it does in the movie. Mm. Yeah, well, that's that's it. When Injun um, put the expedition to go to the island to capture animals, they uh, they decked out their uh, their employees in the best mm-hmm. best stuff, and that's that's even a shame now. After so long after the film, uh, clothing that branded clothing from that time period is still fairly expensive. But then you go all the way up to the top. I think there's a lot of comments in your posts with the photos you've been posting up about getting one of those nitro 700s and, and just the, <laughs> the cost of six figures at least. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find any 600 nitro express by Sershi online for sale, but the five seven seven uh, nitro express. And I think the 700, like Nitro Express, I did see in both were in the six-figure range. <laughs> so that will not be getting added to the costume. Sorry, guys. No. At the best, you could probably get the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably worth a couple uh, $10,000 itself. Velvet line, ebony wood or something like that, you know? Oh, I'm sure you could, I'm sure you could make, up, make up your own, find some sort of similar case and bang it up a little bit and put those leather straps over it. Well, there's also, uh, thankfully, being America, we get, we have, we, us in our gun obsession, we have lots of <laughs> toy double barrel shotguns you can uh, pick up pretty much anywhere, like Walmart, even, you know? Oh, yes, yes, I have a couple here. <laughs> Had to cut the orange caps off the end, but. <laughs> and so the hat was really the big kind of um, score this weekend, this weekend, but. Uh, last weekend, I also was able to get on the same day that I went to the Nature Preserve dedication. Uh, I went to Meyer just to pick up some groceries, and they had the 118 diecast Jeep Wrangler, the Jeep 29 from Jurassic World, the one that's all rusted up. Nice. And so I grabbed that one. It was a really nice pickup. It's um. 118 scale and it's actually scales almost exactly with the Mattel toy hmm. and so I mean it's got a lot more details a lot more less um, I'd say cartoonish exaggerated um, features it's more of a die cast uh, item and because of that I they kind of only fits Maisie she's the only one I've been able to fit into the <laughs> fit into the vehicle Everybody oh else is... no! The legacy figures yeah. won't fit in there. No, I, I might be able to get them to stand up. Like, like I'll have Alan Grant standing up, because I'm definitely getting that Brachiosaurus when it comes out. <laughs> which unfortunately now I'm not sure if it's going to remain this way, but I know that Target and Walmart are reducing their stock sizing uh, for Jurassic Park oh, no. because Toy Story 4 and Avengers merchandise is hot right now. Uh, and so they've decreased a lot of that here in the States, including in mine. And so I I think I'm going to have to resort to uh, more online and less dependent on in-store because, unfortunately, in-store won't be carrying as much anymore. Yeah, well, even here I've noticed even the Star Wars stuff has just sort of shrunk to almost mm-hmm. an end cap. Um, the Jurassic World stuff, definitely the Dino, the Dino Rival stuff, definitely. A lot of that sort of upper franchise stuff have got out of the way for... Toy Story 4 and um, the Avengers, so that's that's a bit of a shame. Hopefully, 
coming into Christmas when that's all said and done. We got episode nine this this year, so that um, that'll probably boost the Star Wars stuff back up. But I was completely surprised yesterday. I was in buying a couple of DVDs and uh, seen a pop vinyl, the first Jurassic pop vinyl I've seen in the wild, and it was the red Dilophosaur. <laughs> I'm not sure why that they'd done a red one, but uh, it was the red Dilophosaur, and that was the only pop vinyl I've seen in the wild over here. But I got a uh, I got a package last week. I got the little green T Rex. And I got a couple of packs with the uh, Explorer, uh, the M Class, and the RV. So I'm about to start customising, <laughs> making that into the twin trailers. Uh, that sounds like fun. Finally, finally, after a year, <laughs> they're being released. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it's going to be. Uh, are you? Have you figured out how you're going to do the accordion thing for it yet? I've got some 10 mil. Um, it's like a, a cable cover coaxial. Um, that's got those ribs on it, so I'm just going to see if I can um, cut it to length, like cut a bit of it, and then sort of heat it and square it off, because at the moment it's round. But I'm just going to play off a couple of things and see what see what works, see what looks okay. Mm-hmm. Again, it's only going to be sitting on my shelf, so I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to be um, keen on doing a super, super good job, but I've got a couple of spares, so I can <laughs> practice me cutting of it and make sure all that's done right. Because you always need a test one. <laughs> Never try and... Mm-hmm. Do something oh, yeah, on never. the first the first run. It never works. <laughs> if we split up, I'm going with you guys. Before we get into today's minute, we've uh, got our weekly uh, check over at Jurassic-pedia.com, and today we've got another new article put up by you, David, of the Arcadia from the uh, Fallen Kingdom film. Um, fantastic article, a few good photos there as well, and a bit of a, a layout of the ship and its role in the film. But mm. uh, one thing I wanted to discuss, and we've been sort of on and off about... Uh, Fallen Kingdom, The Fate of Sauna, like the last um, Jurassic Minutes we've done, we talked a bit about Sanctuary Island, whether that was real, whether Mills had actually purchased the island and um, all that sort of thing. And during the week I'd remembered, um, before Fallen Kingdom came out, when I was still in production, the, we got a plot leak of, um, I think it was eight ships originally were in the evacuation of animals off the island, and then the last one was going to go rogue, and that's where... Mills and that had it come to Lockwood Manor. Um, in the film, it's sort of, it's never really addressed how long um, Lockwood's team have been there evacuating dinosaurs for. When we get the uh, get to the bunker itself and we see the dino tracking, there are a hell of a lot of dots at that east dock mm-hmm. already set up, already done. We know Claire's only really brought in because they can't get blue, and that's what Mills wants for the uh, Indoraptor project and that and Woo, but it's never really addressed whether or not they've been there um, evacuating dinosaurs before the uh, the whole Congress thing was going on. If if possibly those other seven ships, or at least other ships, have already taken animals to Sanctuary Island, and maybe that could be our much-wanted conclusion to the franchise where we see those animals roaming Sanctuary Island once again mm-hmm. in peace and the only people that know about it, Mills, Lockwood, all that are dead. Um, Claire and Owen are really the only ones that would know apart from the crews of the ships but <laughs> it, um, it could set up the end of the franchise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is interesting because I do remember that leak where um, they said that multiple ships are taking the dinosaurs off the island and then there's their... Um, Mills had like the last one turn turn away from the sanctuary island and um, go to the Lockwood Manor. I 
wonder if that was more of a plot that um, was kind of cut from an earlier script because in the um, final movie, they only make it seem like it's only the Arcadia, you know? Mm. They don't really ever mention that any other ships are really doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's especially when Mills is trying to get Claire there. Like, he could have had the drop line of, we've already got X amount of animals off the island, or, um, or even when they arrive, come over by plane, you could have seen another ship leave as the arcade is being loaded. But, mm-hmm. And especially, too, like our main cast, Rexy and all that sort of stuff's being loaded onto the Arcadia so we can get that final scene at Lockwood Estate. Because um, I think that, uh, that original plot, too, had... Uh, Claire and Owen being kicked off the boat when they realised it wasn't going where it was supposed to and they had to swim back to Nublar or something and escape another way. I think that one was more fan speculation based on the um, Ah. leaked set images of Claire, Owen and Franklin um, kind of on the beach there, washed up. Yep, Yep, definitely, because I think I was on that boat as well. (laughs) Um, Because that's when, yeah, that last last very bit final bit of filming they done was in that little cove on Hawaii yeah. but it's it's one of those things we've we've always speculated how how can we have more animals yes there's going to be more animals made but having some of our favorites back um the Dilophosaur yes it was supposed to be on the boat but was never seen and if if we're going to have more animals that could leave the story doesn't have to take place there but we can finish off with Sanctuary Island Hammond's mm. Wish Lockwood's Wish whatever the animals back there. Um, it's a possibility anyway. It's 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 something they could they haven't really ruled out either way. Mm-hmm. And the Arcadia, though, I also remember um, the supposed leak of the ship was ended up being this. It looked like a um, like one of those tanker ships, mm. and it made me think that oh, they're getting everything off the island. Which, in the final film, it actually turned out to be a much smaller ship. It almost is, and I think I remember describing it as such previously, reminiscent of a landing platform dock, which Mm. is a class of amphibious assault ship that launches, like, duck boats and stuff off out of the the stern. And the stern of of the Arcadia is actually pretty much exactly like that i mean it's got the exact same kind of um loading and unloading mechanism in a way yeah yeah and And, yeah because in the film too we've seen there were a lot of animals in those crates being chained in or loaded onto the deck of the ship and maybe Maybe because so many were on trucks in the end it was just because they had to get off the island and they just drove the drove the animals straight into the back of the ship instead of unloading and stacking the crates in there. They could have got some more animals in there, but yeah, yeah, they were uh, like Mills said, they were a day behind already, mm. so they were really pressed for time. I do think that it's, the interesting thing though is driving the truck straight forward into the Arcadia doesn't seem to be entirely unintentional. Because the bow of the ship opens up and you can drive the trucks out of the boat from the front. Oh, uh, yes, I'll just see it. One of the photos you've posted here. Because I was going to say, it's it's much like a lot of the uh, the smaller ferries and that where you can drive in one end and out the other. 
Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of fair, big ferries here that go between Australia and Tasmania that do a similar thing. You sort of drive on the front, then drive out the back. It's it's back the front. But, uh, yeah, no, there's a photo here of the... Uh, is that concept art with the shit trucks coming out the front, or is that from the film? It looks all... No, that's from the film. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. The CG doesn't look that good. Um, no, yeah, definitely you got a photo here on the uh, the article of those ships being unloaded out the front of the... the front of, uh, Those um, trucks driving out the front of the boat when it's docked at Lockwood Estate, so... Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I remember... I don't know if it was just concept art or just concept talking of that super tanker and... It seemed, yeah, like they were going to get everything off, and with Mills saying they'll be behind, well, we know, we've seen previously how hard these animals are to round up with, uh, mm-hmm. with InGen trying it before, so there's probably a good reason why they are behind. And then another thing to remember is, is I think it was, um, it was either deleted or is in the script or something like that, where they say that, or, um, Wheatley says that they had previously attempted to go after Blue and they had uh, crewmen die going after her be, uh, because, and that's why they brought on uh, Claire and Owen because they just couldn't get Blue without them. Mm. They needed, uh, they needed Blue and they needed Owen to get Blue. And after they got Blue, they didn't need Owen anymore. Yeah. Yep. yep. I might have to, uh, I might have to slip the uh, the Blu-ray in and rewatch Fallen Kingdom at long last. <laughs> it has been a been a very long time since I've watched the film, so um, let's see if I can pick up on some of these things. But uh, that's the Arcadia article over at Jurassic-pedia.com. So go over check it out and uh, check out. There's a lot of new stuff going up there each week as well. Mm-hmm. Be careful with that. T-Rex scares some of the smaller ones away, but it attracts one really big one with a fin. This is T-Rex P. How'd you get it? You don't want to know. All right, ready to get into 46. Sure. As we went in at 45 Jurassic Park 3, Eric had led Grant to his water tanker bunker. And as the minute ended, he'd realised who he'd just saved. As we open on minute 46, Eric asks Alan, what are you doing here? Grant clears his throat and thinks for a minute and says, uh, your parents invited me along with a smile. At the 11 second mark, we cut to some time later as Alan scrapes the last remaining scraps of food from a large tin. At the 22 second mark, Eric carries over a large cardboard box and sits down and pulls out a chocolate bar as Grant continues to scrape the last little bits out of the tin. At the 32 second mark, after watching Grant for a moment, Eric breaks the silence and says, I read both of your books. And I liked the first one more, before you went to the island. You liked dinosaurs then. Grant stops eating for a moment and replies, Well, they hadn't tried to eat me yet. At the 47 second mark, Grant finishes his food, and puts a tin down and starts looking around the tanker. Eric adds, When Injun cleaned out, they left a lot of stuff behind. Grant asks if there's any weapons, but Eric says no. And as the minute ends, Alan starts to cough again, and looks around for some water, and picks up a beaker with a dark fluid inside. As we continue into 46, Eric's realised who he's talking to, and as he says, your own Grant, we sort of get that little Jurassic theme start to pick up in the background as, as well as we normally 
normally get whenever there's any sort of discussion of Park and Alan and that we get that theme sort of play. But I was going to say it's nice because um, that's something they did with The Lost World too was they would have the little flurry of the Jurassic Park theme whenever the old park or something uh, that was reminiscent of the old park was brought up. Hmm. Yeah, it's just sort of that little little bit of a memory, <laughs> bring up the memory of the park and mm-hmm. uh, having this, the tune to go along with it. It's not, it's not a full-out Welcome to Isla Nublar <laughs> track from the score. It's just that little flourish, which is fantastic. But uh, Eric asks, what are you doing here? And Alan thinks for a moment and says, your parents uh, invited me along, clearly trying to put a funny spin on the situation. But... Uh, we cut to Grant's bloody hands as he's scraping the last remnants of some food from a very large tin. Uh, as he brings a spoon up, I think on the uh, on the Jurassic Dashpedia article for Eric's water tanker, it's described as he's eating beans. The sort of the sauce and that little, what he's brought down the spoon looks a bit darker. I I sort of think it looks like stew or something, but you can see a couple of beans in amongst it. So. Eating cold food, cold food out of a tin is probably not not my preferred thing to do, but they are in a survival situation. Plus, it's sort of you can sort of see the scum and the older food stuck around the top where it's either been cooked or rotten a little bit. So it's mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't smell that good either. Though, <laughs> <laughs> unsurprisingly, I mean, bean not just beans, but canned food in general is usually noted for its longevity you can pretty much stick it in your pantry and forget about it for a couple of years and then come back like 10 years later oh i forgot i had this can <laughs> of uh instant mashed potatoes <laughs> <laughs> well it's just keeping the oxygen out of it and that's the thing if you if, mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't get pierced um you could you can continue to have that food stored i think i've had like fruit preserved fruit in that in tins for for years and years and haven't still good um there have been some occasions where food's got a little bit too warm in a pantry or something and the tin split and then it goes off really quick but um Mm -hmm. yeah but it also sort of it continues to push that theme of well the island it's the the destruction shown or seems to be of only four years after the incident not eight it's it's back to that lost world where uh if, if they had more time in the gas station and got food from the gas station and operations building, it'd be pretty much as similar as what we see here. Much mm-hmm. like it is in the novel, where they uh, raid the raid the fridges and that and store them for tin food and chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. I gotta admit, this scene, speaking of chocolate bars, this scene always makes me want a Nestle Crunch Bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're eating, I think, isn't it? Nestle Crunch uh, crunch bars or is it like just regular nestle chocolate bar there's one shot here in a minute where eric's talking and when he realizes it's been eight well when grant says it's been eight weeks you can sort of see the label pretty well but for the Mm -hmm. most part it's like there's some blurry wrappers behind grant as he's sitting down here it's not really i think the uh cinema sins guys throw it straight up as product placement for crunchy bars but like for the wrappers and that Mm mm-hmm but I don't think it, it's seen as, as obvious as what um, what others think it is in the film. No. I do remember uh, some like serious candy product placement in The Lost World. They basically had a s'mores kit there in the um, tent that Sarah and Kelly were sleeping in. Mm, and oh, yeah. you can plainly see a crackle bar, which is 
basically, I think, Hershey's answer to the Nestle Crunch Bar. Yep. Yeah, well, that, that camera pans down. You can clearly see labels, and it sits on it for about five seconds before you start to hear the footprints waking Sarah off. So, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, that I see that more of product placement than what this here is. But we get uh, Eric carries over a cardboard box and sits down, and um, he grabs he grabs another two bars out of it and throws the box aside. So you can only assume that box may have been full of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And with, with this big tin that Alan's eating out of, as uh, Eric's sitting down, there's another large tin on the shelf behind him. Maybe he found some sort of cafeteria or storeroom in the lab complex. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Looking, I just uh, brought up some screen caps here. Yeah, that's definitely a crunch bar. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then uh looks like... I mean, the thing about this scene, though, I mean, you could sit here and pause it, and you can see so much just junk. <laughs> well, yeah, we've gone through and had a bit of a look, and even over Grant's shoulder, you can see one of those animal snare poles just swinging, um, hanging up off something from the roof there, which they never really use um, in the script in the novel. Eric has a shock prod or a cattle prod there somewhere, but we don't see that. Um, there's a, like the large... Uh, well, we can see the roll of rope is beside Eric. Uh, there's a smaller bundle of rope over on these other side you can see the telephone sitting on the roll of rope which a lot of this stuff would be useless and you'd wonder why he'd scavenge it okay maybe he was hoping to find um Mm -hmm. another building another area that might have power or a working telephone but Mm, but then he'd have to lug it all the way over there yeah you know like he has a phone which would i mean like the old-fashioned i think it's the same kind of phone that's in the um in the compound area it's got the cord and the just some dirt on it and it'd be completely useless without a power source let alone a telephone wire uh connection you know mm-hmm. you gotta plug these were the old phones you had to plug into the phone jack and then say don't go on the don't go don't go making a phone call i'm going on the internet <laughs> <laughs> And that's that's even if the phone itself was even wor- in working order. Um, that's, like that's again, true too. you can see it here. It's, again, it's got that moss. I, I would not be surprised if it's just the same phone from the the, the reception set that they've grabbed for later later scene. They'll mm-hmm. both. I'm guessing this is in a stage. It's a mock up. They're not in a, really in the tanker here. Um, so I'm guessing they would have grabbed that prop. But yeah, it just makes you wonder. Look, Maybe he has lost the plot. <laughs> it was going that way in the novel and the script that he's sort of gone a little bit feral. Um, maybe just grabbed the phone and was talking to people in it, <laughs> talking to himself overnight. One thing you do see here over Eric's, um, what is it? It looks like, his, I mean, I'm sorry, his left shoulder is glass vials with white caps on them that almost make me consider maybe they're penicillin. There also looks to be, um, I can't really make it out, it's a white bottle without a label on it. It has like a bluish top that could be, I don't know, I mean, I'm not really sure but that one could be, I mean, maybe some kind of cleanser in case he gets injured. That one would definitely be useful. Yeah, yeah, like a saline solution or something. Mm-hmm, Yeah. But on his right shoulder, and you pointed this out, and we both kind of had the same idea, 
It looks like a beer keg. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing, the only problem with it is it looks like there's a handle or something attached halfway down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely looks like an old-style beer keg <laughs> sitting there on its side. Um, mm-hmm. Which is 13 years old, maybe. <laughs> maybe you'd seen the keg and gone, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll roll that back there and hopefully I can <laughs> find a way of opening it one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but then, looking back at... Uh... Grant's way, we do see some other weird things like uh, it looks like non uh, rubber non-slip mat. Mm-hmm. He had rolled up in us and stuff among the items. Um, looks like a uh, I mean, it, uh, it almost looks like a mini small kind of cage next to that. You know, but it has the doors swing open and they look like tiny little like um. They, but the door is kind of got like a grate, but it's stacked three high. I'm not sure if you see what I'm seeing. It's uh, it's uh, underneath the snare pole. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's I thought they were little shells, but yeah, the little little, little cage doors with a little knob on the front of the cage, and mm-hmm. they just going off the size of, like Grant there. Because um, beside that, there seems to be one of those large plastic tubs or um, like army trunks that's um yeah. on its side I, it looks like it's got one in 50 liter uh water jugs in it for your upside down water fountains yeah yeah i noticed that too so using that as scale they'd they'd seem too small to be cages unless they're for infants like compies or something but mm-hmm. yeah because you got them you got there's another or must be the same snare pole there the steel shelving there with the rubber mats on top of it there's something big and white behind grant he never moves mm. enough to see what the front of it is. No. Um, it almost looks like it could be a generator, but, I mean, that'd be generators, especially one of that size, would be really heavy. Mm-hmm. And I don't see a 12-year-old being able to lift, lift that into a water <laughs> truck by themselves. Or just carry it there back from the, uh, <laughs> the compound as well. Because um, there's something else. It almost looks like radio equipment or something up on top of that shelf under one of those rolls of mat. But the cardboard box on the ground behind him looks like you can see sort of foil in the bottom corner. Maybe he's got a second box there full of candy bars as well. Grant does note uh, in the script in the novel that um, he can see candy bar wrappers everywhere and realises that Eric's probably been living off chocolate <laughs> for the last eight weeks because there's just so much rubbish everywhere from candy bar wrappers. But I was meant to Google. I know beakers are the square ones, but the lab, the lab glass, like the test tube, I'm pretty sure the triangular ones are called beakers as well, but I can't remember the scientific name yeah there's like all kinds of equipment i forgot the name of in chemistry class we used no? yeah yeah we see one in a minute with the p in it but there's another one empty hanging from hanging from something in the roof looks like a large sieve or something <laughs> um but yeah like behind eric as he's eating the chocolate bars you can see the box that the uh, binoculars are on later seems to be standing up on its edge above that red cabinet with those um those jars in it but yeah, like as we we'll, as we started, even the um the large orange water cooler <laughs> that doesn't seem to have a lid on it's just maybe you just use that to carry stuff there. But a lot of this is just useless junk. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's a there's a lamp there that um it'd be two forty here. One tens your outlet voltage over there, isn't it? To plug into the wall. Yeah. So it'd be, yeah, it'd be a one ten <laughs> a one ten lamp there as well. Which why you've got no power? Why are you taking a lamp with you? Like, mm, I mean, he's 
literally been living on a water truck for eight weeks. He even says as much. Mm. You know? Yeah, and we we sort of discussed last minute with the script how this water truck was supposed to be in the compound with the uh, maintenance vehicles and that out the back, and it'd make more sense there than Eric carting all this stuff <laughs> over eight weeks from the uh, from the lab to where he's found this truck. Mm-hmm. But Eric uh, breaks the science here, and he says, "I read both your books. Um, I like the first one more. Before you were on the island, you liked dinosaurs back then." <laughs> Well, and this is a good little reference back to that book that Timmy was carrying in Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it's the first one he wrote, or the first one we know that he wrote of, and um, (laughs) he obviously obviously cashed in with Malcolm and that after the events of Jurassic Park and Mm -hmm. wrote wrote a second novel. Which I I imagine that he wrote this book after... um, after... uh, the San Diego incident, and then and the whole dinosaur and engine going public knowledge, you know. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it was. Uh, I wonder if Eric even knew of Grant before the San Diego incident, when it all would have come out. If he would have been studying, because I think it's it's pretty much assumed that he's a dinosaur. He's a little dinosaur nut, so maybe he was following Grant's work. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was just a San Diego incident because, as we get here in a minute, he also read Malcolm's book, so that might have been because of the San Diego incident. But uh, Grant sort of comments, well, they hadn't, back then they hadn't tried to eat me yet, which I've always loved that line. Why <laughs> um, his uh, second book was a little bit more more dour on the on the animals themselves, and pretty much why he's sort of down on Injun's animals here as well in this film. Mm-hmm. But he smirks at that, and Grant finishes his tin, sets it down, and looks around inside the tanker, and Eric sort of says, when InGen cleared out, they left a lot of stuff behind. When I'm pretty sure when InGen cleared out, they left everything behind. <laughs> Looking at this <laughs> in the lab, like they just walked out. Oh, it's true, but I mean, then again, in the in the Lost World novel, InGen was kind of weird how what it did and what it didn't take. Because in... They took a lot of computers from Sorna that were that that were later wiped and sold at auction. But then there was a lot of computers they left and a lot of files they left, like physical paper files that Malcolm is kind of ruffling through when they're all standing in the um, in the compound. Well, you know? so, yeah, it's it's sort of one of those odd ones. It's sort of the same with um, going back to Lost World, and yes, no longer canon, but uh, Ludlow saying all um, organic and inorganic materials for Jurassic Park were destroyed. But mm-hmm. In the novels, it's sort of, I always seen, because when we get to uh, Sauna, like there's a, the computer set up and all that in the uh, in the gas station, and as, as you're saying, like all the lab stuff's still there. Levine's computer, i just seen that as, um, as tech from from InGen headquarters that had Site B files on it. I'm just trying to think now. How the... I can't remember. Because in the, in the, in the novel, InGen just packed up and left. There was no hurricane. Yeah, I, well, they went out of business, I think, oh. after um, Hammond died. Yeah. Basically, they had nothing left to keep them afloat, and they just imploded. But I thought they took um, stuff from Sorna just because 
the computer files referenced like every, like at the network and they were able to you know i mean it seemed like the computer files were more for the island than for uh corporate you know yeah it wouldn't be information necessarily needed on a computer 3000 miles away in a different location exactly because there is, I believe there is a line in the novel, might have been from Malcolm, or might have been just as a prelude to the, the Jurassic Park incident and that, because I remember the Japanese investors after the failure of the park pulled out, InGen was bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, since they still, they may have or may not have still owned the cloning technology, but as a way to keep it from the world, they sold off InGen assets and carefully held on to the technology that was required to clone animals. And everything else, as you're saying, was wiped, wiped and sold off. I don't know what got us down this. <laughs> <laughs> um, eight weeks. Oh, I engine leaving a lot of stuff behind. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, Grant asks uh, any weapons, and Eric says no, and he just used the last of the gas grenades. And uh, Grant says he appreciates appreciate, yeah. Grant says he appreciates that and coughs again. And uh, as the minute ends, he reaches for a beaker. And uh, looks at it intently. He's just had sort of a bit of a meal, and he's looking for some water, obviously. And thinks he's going to get it in this beaker, but we'll find out what's in there next minute. Um, anything else on that you want to talk about, Dave? Before we get into the script and novel comparisons. Yeah, I think we're pretty good on that. All right. In the script, Eric recognizes Grant. When we get the same dialogue. Uh, Grant looks around the tanker at what Eric stored, and we see another smoke canister, uh, some battery-powered lanterns, and a lot of candy wrappers. Uh, this kid's been living on chocolate for weeks. And Eric has a large cardboard box and takes the last two bars out so you can um, assume it was full when he first found it. Grant asks any weapons or radios. Eric lifts up a cattle prod but says the battery's dead. But there was just that smoke grenade before, so maybe it's just a smoke grenade, not an actual uh, like weapon nerve nerve grenade or anything like that. Oh yeah, he says the battery's dead, and Grant says, oh, it's a wonder you aren't. Um, I'm amazed, Eric, I barely lasted 30 hours, and you've lasted eight weeks. Which, it comes up in both the script and the thing here, where Grant says, I'm amazed, um, I barely lasted the 30 hours, and you lasted eight weeks. Is that 30 hours now on Sauna, or is that 30 hours previously on Jurassic Park? Because it'd both be around the same time frames. I think there was more on... Um... 30 hours in Jurassic Park because they kind of arrived at the island around midday and then left the island uh, a couple hours after after midday uh, as the sun was sort of going into sunset. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think he's been on the island for 30 hours at this point because they only crash landed there like that earlier that day, you know? Well, that's it. We're coming to the first night now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes perfect sense. I don't know why I was thinking the other way around. And that was, as he says, um, like he said, when we were talking to uh, Paul, saying, you, you, you've been on this island, you know what to do. Grant sort of says, yeah, we survived Jurassic Park with weapons and, and more people, and a lot of people died, so... Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, in the novel, it pretty much plays out exactly the same. So that's it for uh, minute 46. Dave, anything else you want to get to before we get heavy for the day? No, I think we're pretty good. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is 
jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find The Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven. Dinosaur there! Okay.